Welcome back to the Euro Show here on FNR Football Nation Radio. Nick DeBano and Josh Parrish here. Big show so far. We've obviously dived into all things Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, a little bit of going on in Serie A and also the big news with Xavi. Um, we didn't get the exact pronunciation, I don't believe, of Afenajan. The young Roma striker. Felix who our, our Ghanaian producer had no idea who he was. So here we go. Even though he played for the national team in oh. the last international break. But <laughs> anyways, let's move on. We're joined here by BBC Scotland's Chris McLaughlin. Chris, welcome to the program. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Yeah, quite well, Chris. Um, I mean, it's been a big weekend over in Scotland. Some big results in the League Cup. Um, Celtic getting through. Another win for Ange Postacoglu. How did you see it? Yeah, I mean, listen, first of all, you're right. The, uh, the Ange Postacoglu bandwagon just keeps rolling on for Celtic, doesn't it? Um, and I can see that makes you guys happy. It certainly makes the Celtic fans happy. Uh, St Johnston was was always going to be tough. Uh, they're very good under Callum Davidson. Very difficult to break down. I know that that Postecoglou was expecting a tough game. That's exactly what he got. Um, but listen, you know we know his style. The fans know his style. The opposition managers know his style, and he puts everything on his players being better than the opposition, and him being able to break down the opposition with that you know, gung-ho style of his. And it works. It, it, it just works. So far, it's been working. It worked against St. Johnston on, well, at the weekend there. And it, it took perhaps a little bit longer than, than some fans may have expected or wanted, but he got the result and he's into the final. The Ange Postacoglu bandwagon you mentioned, just what do you put it down to, his popularity among Celtic fans? It seems almost universal, regardless of results. They're on board, they're with him for the long haul. How did he manage to get everybody on side? Do you know what? I remember talking to you guys when when the appointment was made and I said to you, I made the point, look, the Celtic fans will get behind their manager. They will. Until such a time where he starts to make a bit of a mess of it, they will fully get behind their man. And I think there's also something to be said about them throwing their weight behind an underdog because he wasn't first choice for Celtic. We know that Eddie Howe was was courted for months and months and he eventually turned it down. But Postacoglu has been something of a dark horse. He wasn't well known here. We've discussed that in this programme before. Um, and I think the Celtic fans like the fact that he's an underdog and doing very well. Not only that, He's got this very obvious style that fits so well with the Celtic ethos. He likes to attack. It's just attack, attack, attack. The Celtic fans love that. That is traditionally how Celtic play. But also, I think there's a a saying here in in Scotland that sometimes we just like the cut of the jib. They just just like how Ange Postecoglou comes across. He's never ruffled. He's never phased. He's pretty calm. He just gives it off this aura of, hey, guys, I've got this. You know, I'll worry about it. I've got it. And so far, he has got it. I mean, you do mention, like, the whole thing about he's got it. And there was a period at the start where the results weren't really going Ange's way. And there was the 4-0 loss against Leverkusen. And things have really turned around. What have you put it down to? Have you just put it down to them starting to, I guess, jowl and get used to the system and now they're just starting to run roughshod through the league? Or what What have you sort of seen from, I guess, what you've seen every week? Yeah, I mean, I think a couple of things. First and foremost, you have to remember where Celtic were when Postacoglu came in. Now, they were a shambles, let's face it. You know, on and off the pitch, they were a bit of a shambles. 
they had enjoyed a decade of complete dominance in Scottish football. The fans were used to it. And then all of a sudden, in the pursuit of, of 10 titles in a row, it all just exploded, or imploded, I should say. So it, it, it was going to take a bit of time. I think that his style is probably something that the players have had to get used to. I mentioned the fact that, yes, Celtic like to play gung-ho. That wasn't necessarily the style under Neil Lennon. Um, so I think the players have probably taken a little bit of time to get used to his style and perhaps just a little bit of time to get used to Ange the man. But that's coming together. You can see you can see exactly how they play. You can see exactly how they move up and down the pitch as a unit. Kyogo, of course, has been has been the, the big, big find. Yota as well, of course. So it's just clicking at the right time. Now, the caveat, of course, has to be that at the back, they're still a little bit, maybe not naive, but still a little bit ropey at the back sometimes. That's, that's getting better. You very rarely see a Celtic game these days where they don't concede, although that is starting to turn. Um, so I think that the defence perhaps is the last part of the jigsaw to, to, to fall into place, but I think that's getting there. So I think it's been a number of factors, but you can see that for Postacoglu, it's all just coming together. Talk to me about Joe Hart, Chris, because I thought it was curious when he signed, not because of his pedigree. Obviously, he's got great experience, but because he was the very goalkeeper that Pep Guardiola, who Ange Postacoglu is maybe an acolyte of, uh, dumped at Manchester City because of his inability to play out from the back with his feet. Is it just a, a matter of it being a different level in Scotland or has Ange seen something different in Joe Hart that led him to, to go for him? Well, I think if Celtic fans and fans of Scottish football are being honest, they know that they would not have got Joe Hart at his absolute prime. And that's what we get here in Scottish football. Sometimes we get big players who are perhaps coming to the end of their career and think they've got something to prove. And I think that's perhaps what we've got here with Joe Hart. There's no doubt that that Joe Hart's a, a fantastic goalkeeper. He's a great shot stopper. He's got real game intelligence. But anyone who watched the game at Hamden at the weekend will have known also, he's also got the odd mistake in him. You know, sometimes it's a little bit nervy under Joe Hart, not the way perhaps it was under under certain other goalkeepers at Celtic in, in recent years. But yeah, I think it's, it's come at the perfect time for Joe Hart because perhaps he wasn't feeling the love down south and he feels like he's got something to prove. Not only that... As we mentioned with with Postecoglou, the Celtic fans really get behind people at the club. They really do. I mean, you, you very rarely get someone who moves on from Celtic who will not say, "Look, you know, the, the, I just felt the love from the fans." And Hart's feeling that he's he's a hero at Celtic now. And look, you know, who doesn't want to be a hero? I suppose. Eh? It feels like things have kind of come full circle for this Friday, Chris. I mean, Leverkusen away, big game, chance to keep their chances of progressing to the next round alive, I guess. How do you see this contest? I mean, Leverkusen are fourth in the Bundesliga, but Celtic's form, you know, they, they would consider themselves a chance in this one. Listen, I think, I think they think they've probably got more than a chance, to be honest. I think that, that Ange Postecoglou and his players will be thinking that Leverkusen won't fancy won't fancy playing Celtic at this stage. Um, you're right; they're, they're fourth in the Bundesliga. We know how how um, how strong German football is, but I think that the confidence in Celtic is such 
and their ability, their confidence and their ability to score goals is such that they know that no matter who they play against, there's a decent chance they're going to score um, at least one goal. So I, I very, I'm very, very um, reticent to say that there's any teams that Celtic could come up against right now who they wouldn't fancy their chances against on their day. Now, it's got to be, it's got to fall for them. Perhaps Leverkusen have got to have an off day. But it's a game they need to win. They know that. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with you. I think there's a decent chance for Celtic. I really do. I want to talk about Postacoglu improving the players that he already had at the club because obviously there's been massive turnover and lots of signings. Uh, but based on extremely small sample sizes and my initial you know, curiosity about the Postacoglu project, I watched that, I think it was the Champions League qualifier against Michelin and immediately yeah. made up my mind about two players who were not good enough. And they both started in this League Cup <laughs> semifinal. Nia Bitten with that red card. I thought, this guy's a hothead. Get him out of here. And then uh, uh, Anthony Ralston, the right back, who... Uh, seems to have a, had a bit of a renaissance. I thought this guy's got wood box for feet. How is he going to play out from the back under Postacoglu? And he's starting every game and seemingly excelling. So uh, these players seem to be taking to the coaching methods. Yeah, you're right. And I think that, let's start with Beaton first. I think that your thoughts on near Beaton were shared by many, many Celtic <laughs> fans, just because he was finding himself in silly positions, rash challenges, and he'd kind of lost his way near Beaton. He was never a he was never a Celtic favourite. He was never even really under under Rogers or under Lennon. He was never the first name of the team sheet near Beaton. But and, and he, I think that the other thing that he suffers from is because he is a utility player. Okay, mainly midfield, but he can play in that centre half position as well. He's never really found himself in terms of. Look, you know, near Beaton is going to be your your centre half, and near Beaton is going to be your uh, your midfielder. I think he's struggled a little bit with that in the past, but he's feeling the love, he's feeling the confidence now, and the Celtic fans have started to understand what they can get from near Beaton. That the fact that you are a utility player is actually something to be celebrated, and he's getting the best out of that. There's no doubt. I think this is probably the best Beaton has played in his time at Celtic. As for Ralston. I don't know is, is the honest answer. I'm, I'm with you. Ralston, when he broke through at Celtic a few years ago, had promise, but no more than that. He looked quite raw. Now, he looks like one of the most accomplished right-backs in Scottish football. He's an incredible player at the moment. I've, I've watched him in recent games do things that I didn't think Anthony Ralston was capable of. And all I can put that down to is the fact that perhaps Andrew po- Ange Postacoglu has put his arm around him and said, you are my right back. That was never the case mm-hmm. for Anthony Ralston and he's really made that position his own. He's turning into a very good player. He also may well have looked at, uh, across um, the midfield, uh, sorry, across the back line to where Kieran Tierney used to be and thought, you know what, if I knuckle down, if I really prove myself, why not? Why, why can't I make the big jump up to an English Premiership side? So maybe there's a little bit of that as well. I think some of the Socceroos players have talked about the kind of individual speeches that they would get from Postacoglu and the confidence and the sort of glow that they would feel when they, they got his approval and his, his backing. And I think that's that's borne out by the Ralston story. And speaking of feeling the love, I mean, Ange certainly is as well from the supporters. They finally managed to work his name into a song, uh, a Christmas-themed one at that. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is a bit of a Celtic story in general, to be honest. Quite a few managers have had this. Last Christmas, I gave you my heart. Um, I'm not going to sing it. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> but you're right. Uh, they, they have. And 
He is, you're right. What I've noticed actually in recent games is Postacoglu is making his way over, especially in away games, making his way over to the Celtic fans and really appreciating the, the, the love that he's getting from them. He's not a guy who shows emotion very often. Um, I think we can all agree on that. Either way, you know, up or down. But we have seen in recent weeks a little bit more uh, emotion from from him. I don't know if we're going to see that continuing. I thought you guys will know better than me in terms of what's in the uh, the emotional locker. I don't know, um, but he he does he does. He's a fascinating character to watch. Actually, I mean, I've, I've interviewed so many managers on the touchline, and he just has a real self assured way about him. He's got a, a, a really, really deep confidence in his own ability to, to get things done. And, you know, I think that's obviously that's obviously coming across to the players as well and the fans are feeling it. Well, I can definitely tell you, Chris, that he keeps his emotions very much in that locker of his. And <laughs> that doesn't change a hell of a lot from what you've already seen. But in terms of Rangers at the moment, the, the gap is closing and they're entering a new era right now under Giovanni Van Bronckhorst. And they lost against Hibs on the weekend. And Connor Goldson said after the game, they've lost their hunger. What, what, what did you see on the weekend? Have you noticed a bit of a change? I know that it is one game and Gerard leaving does leave a massive chasm. But what have you seen? What I saw yesterday at Hamden was what I've been seeing with Rangers all season, to be honest. They've not been great. They've, there have been rumblings for weeks now that perhaps they've lost their hunger, that they were a bit of a, a one-season wonder, uh, this group of players. They gave so much into stopping Celtic do 10 in a row that the feeling perhaps from some was, you know, was that it? Is, is that enough for them now? I know that there's also suggestions that quite a number of the players are looking to move on. If you take what happened to Celtic in the ten in a row season, that's exactly what happened there. A lot of this, a lot of the players had their heads turned, and it affected their ability to do their job. I think Van Bronckhurst, you're right, has got a big job to do. One of the major problems, of course, is if he's looking to rebuild. Where's the money coming from? Because Rangers recently posted £23 million of losses. They don't have a lot of money to burn. Celtic are expected to strengthen further in January. So there's a big, big issue there. Now, you would also have to assume that for Giovanni Van Bronckhurst to take that job, he was given some assurances about how he could stamp his own authority on that team. You might well see players heading out of the door. I'm not yet ready to write off Rangers' chances. They're still four points clear. They're still, they've still got very good players in their squad. I think it's neck and neck. But I think if Celtic can strengthen the way the fans want them to strengthen and Rangers struggle to do that, you might well see Celtic pull away. Is Steven Gerrard's decision to leave for Aston Villa a bit of a sign then that he was on a hiding to nothing there? He'd already won the league title it stopped Celtic winning 10 in a row, almost in impossible circumstances with the financial situation you talk about and this amazing feat that he's pulled off. I mean, do it, doing it again wouldn't have the same impact, right? So going to a team who are cashed up with Premier League TV money, I mean, I saw a lot of Rangers fans very angry about this and saying, oh, Rangers is a bigger club than Aston Villa. Well, if you look at the bank balance, uh, you know, that, that could be a determining factor for a manager who wants to progress his career and maybe have a bigger transfer spend. 
Yeah, listen, I know that we are pundits and our job as pundits is to really delve deep into things, but I think we overthink this one, to be honest. Mm. I think as soon as Aston Villa came calling for Steven Gerrard, there was never a doubt. I don't think he was ever going to say no. Um, it's the English Premier League. Um, it is perhaps a better stepping stone to Liverpool, where we all know he ultimately wants to be. You know, Villa spent well in excess of 100 million, I think 150 million over the past couple of seasons. Um, and you're right, you know, what else could Steven Gerrard do at Rangers? He was given a remit to stop Celtic doing 10 in a row. He did that. He had some success in European football. Everything that Steven Gerrard had to prove in Scotland, I think he felt that he'd proved. But you know what? Even if he hadn't and Villa had come calling, he would have gone. I, I think I think we looked far too much into it. I think that he was never going to stay. And he's taken all his coaching staff with him. I mean, the assistant coach yeah. is uh, widely heralded as the the brains behind it. The uh, the tactical setup and so forth is gone, and all the other staff with him. And it's just Jermaine Defoe sitting lonely in the, the Sky Sports studio. <laughs> it's, all, it's strange, isn't it? Yeah, it's. Um, I think you're right. I think that one of the one of the key factors to Gerard's success was the backroom team that he built. And it's no it's no um, surprise that he's taken them. Michael Beale in particular was a very, very well-respected coach or is a very well-respected coach and I suspect he'll do very well. And that does leave a big, big gap at Rangers. It's still to be determined who Giovanni Van Bronckhurst will bring in. But listen, we know whenever there's a change of, of manager at a big club like Rangers there's always going to be a transition period and it's just a case of seeing how he can navigate those waters at a time where they can't afford to, to, to go on any further with this uh, performance lump. And in terms of the team that beat them, Hibs, they've had a, a bit of a poor run of form heading into that game, but they came out of nowhere to win that. Martin Boyle got a hat-trick to his name as well, I guess. We would all shocked at all that the manner in which that they won and also the fact that Martin Ball got himself three to his name too? Yeah, first of all, I have to take up with you guys. How did you manage to get Martin Boyle? <laughs> no, you know, he's he's born, born in Aberdeen and hey, he's turning out We gave you, you, you Lyndon Dykes, so... Uh, good you know. Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll take that. That's a fair point, a fair point. Um, was I surprised? No and yes. You're right, Hibs had lost four in the bounce coming into this game. Um, Jack Ross has had an up-and-down start to his managerial career at Hibs. But they've got good players. I think that most people feel that they've not been playing to the sum of their parts this season. And also, there's a real niggle between Hibs and Rangers ever since that cup final in 2016 um, where where, uh, Hibs famously ended 114 years without that trophy. There has been a little bit of a niggle. So I think sometimes in these games, you know what football's like, guys? Sometimes if you win your first battles, if you show the hunger and show the desire early on in the game, you can tell right away who's going to win. And to be honest, from the first 10, 15 minutes, I thought it was Hibs. I really did. I think that that the Rangers' heads went down and and Hibs just showed the desire. Listen, Boyle was great. It was great. Um, And I think he'll go on to be an even better player for Hibs this season. But yeah, it, it didn't really surprise me that much. Chris, one last one before we let you go. It'd be remiss of us not to ask about the national side at the moment. I mean, they're flying. They've won six in a row. They beat Denmark just at the end of that qualification phase. Uh, is this it? 
Is this? Are you at all confident if the playoffs line up correctly? I know there's some daunting teams in there, but it, can the drought finally come to an end? Guys, I'm still at some point thinking I'm going to wake up and think this was all a dream <laughs> because I've covered football since the late 1990s, and you know I'm 40. I don't mind admitting I'm 45 years old, and I have never seen a Scotland team play the way this Scotland team is playing. And you know what? Even if we don't make the World Cup, it, you know, we're playing so, so well. We've had some amazing victories. That game against Denmark was probably the best I've seen Scotland ever play. Um, do we have a chance? It's going to depend. It's going to really depend on who we get in the playoffs. But as Ali McCoy rightly said after the game against Denmark, I don't think that anyone in those playoff games, given the way Scotland are playing right now, will fancy playing us. And I can't remember the last time I ever said that. So I am taking everything that there is to get from Scotland right now and the World Cup will take care of itself. Uh, you're welcome, by the way, for uh, for Aussie John Sutar as well. So another one in the bag for Scotland. Uh, Chris, thank you so Absolutely. much for making the time. It's always a pleasure to speak to you uh, and get an update on Andrew and uh, we look forward to speaking to you again before the season's out. All the best, guys. Thank you.